You are listening to Pushing Beyond the Obvious, where we help entrepreneurs succeed. Hi, Lakshmi. Thanks for taking Hi. time and talking to us today. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> so, as we do with all our guests, um, I'd like to request you to introduce yourself uh, a little bit about your background and uh, how all of that has kind of led you to doing what you're doing right now. Oh, right. Okay. Um, many, many, many months ago, <laughs> I passed out of Loyola College in Chennai, uh, and I studied zoology. And the reason why I studied zoology was that nothing else was available. I wanted to become a doctor. Um, I I sat for the MBBS examination and all that, but I was asked to pay a donation fee at the point in time. Uh, I remember this was Chennai where this whole forward cast, backward cast reservation thing was pretty strong at the point in time, and uh, we didn't pay the donation fee, and I didn't get into any medical college. So I was at home for about six months doing nothing. I had to take up some degree course, and the only thing that was available was zoology. Uh, so I sat through three years of zoology uh, at Loyola College, and uh, somehow unknowing to me, I had an interest in advertising uh, right then. Uh, but thankfully, it was not about the typical uh, advertising is a very glamorous uh, profession. I get I get to interact with the pretty models. You know, it was it wasn't that kind of an obsession with advertising. But I was pretty clear that you know it's a creative industry, and I was. Pretty clear uh, about the role of account management and so on, which I was keen keen on. Uh, after college, I thought I will work for a couple of years and then do my MBA, and then get into advertising. But that uh, working for two years never happened because I, I took up a, a sales job immediately after college. Again, primarily because uh, I had to take up some something, you know. And I was selling photocopiers and toners in Bangalore. And that perhaps was a fantastic grounding because I knew, you know, I was exposed to how tough the actual job of selling anything is. You know, it's all fine to create an ad, but uh, it's so difficult to sell something on the street. So that was a good exposure. Uh, but then I was not enjoying myself. I uh, decided to go back to Chennai, and then I decided to actually hunt for jobs in advertising. And I wrote to several agencies. I went to their offices, and everybody said, you know, do your MBA and come back. Okay, and uh, fortunately, there was the Trikaya Advertising, which took me on um, at a princely sum of I think thousand five hundred rupees a month, my salary. Uh, so I, I mean, I, and Trikaya was an agency that I admired, and, and uh, surprisingly, yeah, before joining advertising, I had this thick a folder of ads that I used to collect, uh, print ads, uh, sorted by agencies. You know, there was a folder for Trikaya, there was a folder for uh, Enterprise and so, how did you find out which agency created the ad? At that point in time, uh, print ads were strong, and every print ad had carried a key number. Okay, and of course, one kind of figured out you know which brands uh, agencies to work on. So I used to keep track of those. Hmm. I had a register which was perhaps a physical register, which was perhaps the precursor to TV ad index in the sense that I I used to sit in front of the TV and I used to write down which program it was. What time the program was? What are the ads which appeared before the program? And if I knew the agency's name, I would list them down. You know, so it was virtually a, you know, a TV index of thoughts that I used to maintain physically through a register. So my passion for uh, advertising and uh, what agencies do uh, was there right before I joined advertising. 
Anyway, so join Trikaya, then I worked with them in Chennai briefly, then I wanted to go to Bombay. That's where the action is. I went to Bombay. Um, then I joined uh, HTA Direct, which was into direct marketing. And I thought at that point in time, uh, direct marketing was the next big thing. And I was fairly interested in direct. In fact, actually, I was uh, fairly interested in uh, advertising from a holistic point of view. And uh, that was the time when uh, account executives like me um, had to get involved in everything that is to do with advertising, right from uh, taking the client brief, writing the minutes, briefing creative, uh, following up, getting the artwork out, uh, interacting with media, and so on and so forth. So one had a basic understanding of how the entire process was. And at that point in time, oh, there, there was no there was no specialist, you know, media division, there was no specialist digital division, and so on and so forth. Everything was within the agency. That part. Um, so I was in HTA Direct for a while. Uh, I worked in Chennai and then in Bombay. Then I joined SSE in the very briefly. Then Trikaya guys called me back. Uh, I joined Trikaya in 1996 again, I think, in Malaysia. And then from there on, um, it was a different kind of experience. I was involved in uh, managing a little small, small group, managing larger clients and so on. Uh, I went to Bangladesh after that. I used to head the Bangladesh operations of Grey Worldwide. Fantastic learning experience uh, because it was the first time that I was given an admin kind of a job, you know, and the job of uh, building new business, uh, training the team, the works. Um, Bangladesh was about three years, three and a half years, I think, uh, even around the time when the 9-11 happened. So I was supposed to come back to Bombay, but after that, you know, people were not very uh, uh, sure how they economies would, uh, you know, uh, would pan out. So everything was on hold. So I was in Bangladesh for a while and then I came back to Bombay. I was heading Grey Worldwide Bombay briefly. Then I went to Sri Lanka uh, again head to Grey Worldwide. Um, then I had to come back to Bangladesh for some personal reasons. I worked with Ulka for about seven years in Bangalore. Uh, then the bag of doing something on my own with me. I partnered with a friend of mine. Uh, we used to make mobile apps for brands. Um, we shut shop last year because for various reasons. Uh, and then I uh, have joined up Robosoft Technologies as VP Corporate Communications. Uh, Robosoft is a fairly well-known mobility solutions company with you know developing mobile apps for brands, and we have and we have our own IPs. So I look after the corporate communications and, and building the brand RoboSoft mandate uh, here, including uh, digital and social media campaigns. That's what I do. Yeah. Super. So you mentioned that um, um, you did a brief stint as an entrepreneur yourself. Yes, um, yes. So what, what are some of the lessons that uh, you have taken from that experience? I myself sure. have also been an entrepreneur and I know uh -huh. that there are a lot of lessons that uh, entrepreneurship teaches sure. you. Sure. Uh, firstly, uh, I would like to say that uh, I am not an entrepreneur in the classic sense, in the strictest sense, uh, because uh, it wasn't the case of me dreaming up a product idea or a business idea and then setting up a team and a, a business plan and all that. Uh, I had uh, decided to join up with a friend of mine who had already begun something in the area of mobile app design and development. Uh, I invested and I became a director on the board. Um, I did look after the day-to-day uh, -day business development activities, opening doors, 
you know, thinking through strategy for you know the mobile service and so on and so forth. So in the, to that extent, I was not a, a entrepreneur in the strictest sense. Nevertheless, um, if I look back now and uh, uh, you know think of what we could have done better, uh, clearly one uh, area would be to uh, think through the right team structure. Now, what I mean by that is, uh, at that point in time, uh, my partner was fantastic in design. He had a, a great sense of uh, aesthetics. He was fantastic in UI UX. Uh, he was a design guy, and I was a business guy. Uh, we did not have a tech ground on board. Okay, so uh, whenever we opened doors and we got business uh, for a client, um, we got the designs approved, but for implementation, we had to outsource. So that wasn't the right uh, team structure that we had, you know, because my partner and I decided not to take any salaries, you know, to keep costs low, which was the right thing to do. But uh, we were paying extremely high, uh, you know, payouts for development, which was not the right thing to do at the point in time. So if I build 100, you know, spending 80 uh, outside was not the right uh, strategy. There was so there was one lesson, you know, to have the right team structure. Uh, secondly, uh, while we were a service, we were not a product company. Uh, we did not do enough to ensure that our business plan had um, something that would ensure us recurring revenues. We did make an effort to have our own IPs. Uh, for example, in the uh, mobility sector, there are opportunities in the enterprise mobility, for example, you know, um, where you could look at a mobility solution for a particular industry, like say pharma, you know, or hospitality, and then say that look, you know, I will offer the solution for, for brand X or company X in that category, and offer the same solution to several other brands in the, in the, in the same category, you know. So that that, that would give us, that would have given us uh, recurring income and ensure that we can invest back in uh, talent and so on. We didn't have that, um, you know, in good time. We made efforts to have our own uh, IPs. But by the time it was too late, we had burnt out a lot of money in terms of, you know, investments, time, etc. So, we didn't have the wherewithal uh, to continue. So, that was lesson number two. And lesson number three was probably uh, we were not geared uh, to, um, what shall I say, to persevere enough, you know, which is what every successful entrepreneur does, you know, to keep at it, uh, um, you know, keep on going despite uh, failures, but perhaps we give up too soon or at the right time, I don't know, but uh, we clearly didn't have the, you know, the uh, God's purpose to keep on, you know, keep at it. So perseverance was something that was lacking and that clearly matters in uh, building a successful business. Right. So if I, if I kind of rephrase what you uh, just said. I think uh, the most critical uh, aspects of entrepreneurship or the key lessons is that number one, you should have the right team uh, and number two, cash flow is king. I mean, uh, as long as cash flow, you are able to manage cash flow in terms of regular business, recurring revenue, uh, the ability to stay at it uh, is much longer or prolonged and thereby Absolutely. increasing the uh, uh, yes, odds yeah. of success. Yeah. And the uh, third thing which is perhaps unique to me was that uh, age uh, plays it. No, no, plays a role. You know, if I had, if I had, uh, if I was in my mid twenties, perhaps my appetite for risk, you know, uh, would be much higher. But in my mid forties, you know, with a, with a family to take care of, it gets difficult, and you get, 
right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on uh, what should entrepreneurs with very limited resources yeah. uh, do to protect and grow their brands okay. once they have a brand sure see uh, i will give an example by uh, talking about as a couple of examples we were talking about uh, examples in the category that i was i mean familiar with in the last two years mobility okay mm-hmm. um, we had a mobile app uh, which was to do with providing um, um rates for taxi taxi meters in mumbai you know uh, meter down was the was the app's name mm-hmm. okay and soon enough there were several clones you know in the app store okay now uh, one thing is to go and tell them look you know take down your app because it is similar to mine it's not going to work okay um even even in the the company that i work with currently there are several examples of successful apps or successful games you know which are being cloned in no time you know uh, we have a game called star chef uh, which is extremely popular on ios uh, globally uh, uh, and in china there are several clones you know but you can't go after every clone and say now take it down you know so this uh, is when you have a successful product imitation of a good idea is given you know, we have to accept that okay the only way to beat them is to uh, outthink or outpace them both in terms of product development and features you know do something that Uh, they cannot copy immediately, so outpace them. Do something that they can't probably think of because you know you you, you think better. You know you you think of the consumer. You offer features that uh, are unmatched. So uh, while brand protection is an important um, element to consider and worry about, uh, there's only so much we can do in the in that space. You know when you have a successful product, you will have limitation. You take for example your you know the the flavor of the month uh, as it were uh, food services. There's only guys offering food services now, you know. And in my view, uh, a brand like Fresh Menu in Bangalore uh, is a standout uh, because uh, they thought differently. It was not just about ordering from restaurant. They said, "Look, I'll have a set menu every day, but it'll keep changing. Hmm. You know, I'm not going to give you fifty uh, restaurants to choose from. I'll give you four dishes to choose from. You know, which perhaps is a better thing to do because it, it reduces." Uh, confusion in my in my mind, you know, and then I say, okay, now, okay, I've got these four options. Out of these four, I will choose one, and I am done with it, you know. So, uh, so live with it and figure out a way in which you can uh, uh, outthink competition in product development and outpace them in execution. So, the sense that I get from whatever you said is, uh, uh, instead of worrying about brand protection, you should probably be worrying about. Uh, how can you increase the speed of uh, innovation in your own organization in terms of the product and uh, improve the relevancy of the product itself yeah and uh, again to go to go back to uh, one of my favorite companies the company respect apple i mean they never i mean they say publicly that they never chase numbers it's not about numbers it's about product product and the product you know it's about putting the consumer first and once that happens everything else you know follows suit interesting so um, the other uh, question that keep pop- that keeps popping up uh, um, when i talk to entrepreneurs and startup founders is uh, that they do not necessarily not all of them necessarily understand the difference between advertising branding and marketing as such mm-hmm. so uh, if you would like to just maybe you know touch upon what according to you uh, is the differences and also talk a little bit about how relevant is traditional advertising today right okay i will take the second uh, one first traditional advertising uh, by traditional advertising i guess you mean the typical mass media advertising yes. television radio where there is a lot of bombardment and you know yes. more like carpet bombing okay yeah. 
uh, I feel in a uh, it, it it depends on the category, of course. You know, for certain categories, uh, traditional advertising is the only relevant only relevant uh, platform available still. For example, you know, for example, uh, consumer goods like soaps. Mm -hmm. You know, take Lux for example. I mean, they cannot do without uh, hardcore television, mass media advertising. Okay, um, and if you go and talk talk to them about a mobile app, you probably get laughed out of the room. You know, because that is not relevant. You know, yes, there may be relevance in uh, in in uh, for the brand having a presence in the so-called digital space, which is your you know maybe. Uh, a Facebook page or a blog, whatever you know, but still, uh, traditional advertising is what is what is going to drive then sales. So, so that is one example of you know a category where uh, traditional advertising rules. You know, but there are other categories uh, which probably cater to a niche audience uh, for whom uh, mass media may be a waste of uh, monies. You know, there will be a lot of wastage. You know, it could be uh, a luxury, or, you know, travel service, or it could be uh, telecom it could be something else, you know, where uh, uh, it makes sense to spend your money wisely in a in a niche medium. So it depends on the category. So on the overall question is traditional advertising relevant? Yeah, it depends, you know. For somebody like uh, even a mobile wallet, you know, they are there uh, and it all it's all linked to the objective of the business. You know, uh, many people make the mistake of asking uh, the question. Uh, what is my uh, digital strategy or what is my social media strategy? That is a wrong question. I guess they should be starting with what is my business strategy? Hmm. And then figuring out where does digital fit in or social media fit in to meet that uh, strategy, you know, to meet their objective. So even with mobile wallets and so on, where the number will be so low just now, uh, the whole uh, strategy is to uh, increase adoption, you know, increase um, people coming into the fold. And therefore, Mass media makes sense, no. So it all it, it, it depends on the product category, it depends on the business objective, no traditional advertising. Uh, the thing about um, you know uh, what is marketing, what is branding, what is you know uh, advertising. Um, I mean everybody uses these terms interchangeably, perhaps you know uh, in, in advertising when I was in, in an agency when I when clients used to say branding is weak. Uh, what they meant by that is. Uh, attribution of the particular brand in that ad is weak. You know, people may see a uh, Sunfeast biscuit ad and, and mistake it for uh, Britannia. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So therefore, they would say branding is weak. Uh, but in the tradition, in the overall marketing fraternity, startup fraternity, when they mean branding, uh, I think they are referring to all the activities that go behind creating a brand. It could be an ad, it could be a logo, it could be a presence on social media, your tone of voice, your tactical campaigns. So, uh, so all of it is branding activity in that sense, you know. So, if, if, if uh, startup you know, entrepreneurs could think of it that way where branding is uh, the, the, the process and the uh, entire gamut of activities that create, prefer create preference for your brand. So, whether it is a radio ad or TV ad or social media presence or a logo, tagline, all of it is branding, you know, an event. So anything that, you know, builds preference for your brand, I would say, the branding activity. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So um, um, let's talk a little bit about all the different uh, 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 advertising avenues that we have today. 
and yeah. maybe you know also touch upon uh, their effectiveness from your point of view okay uh, see uh, uh, every every medium has its own strengths and weaknesses okay uh, the trouble is um, traditional marketers or even entrepreneurs um, see it as a, a tick mark approach mm -hmm. so when i launch a business i must have a tv ad i must have a radio ad i must have a holding i must have a press ad you know i must have a facebook page i must have a twitter feed i must have a tumblr i must have you know xyz you know mobile app also comes in, comes into that list you know so when that kind of an approach is taken it's a tick box approach where you want to have a naam ke vaaste kind of a na presence across the board which is the most you know ineffective sub optimal way of looking uh, to create preference for your brand you know um uh, and two years ago that was rampant in um, hardcore marketing circles where everybody would mandatorily have a twitter page and mandatorily have a facebook page but if you go there and look at the content out there you know when your twitter feed is not updated for 6 months uh, you know uh, ago or when your facebook activity is barren you know there hardly any interesting you know thing happening out there then you are giving the wrong example you know then you are setting up a setting up the uh, the the consumer to think that your brand doesn't care mm. you know uh, it's it's apathetic towards the social media presence you know then you're not a vibrant brand it's like it's a difference between walking into a let's say a conference room where uh, or a seminar room and you find lots of people lot of conversations it's engaging it's buzzing you feel like participating whereas you walk into a room and it's empty no one there it's like a ghost town and it's scary you know it's off putting so that is the difference you know if you if you're going to be uh, present in that medium ensure that you you know you do it for a reason and uh, and the overall objective has to dovetail into the objective of the business you know uh, i tried to take a brand you know to name a brand here but i wrote about uh, what voltas the academicals guys did in my blog recently you know and i noticed some social media Uh, presence of theirs, you know, especially the Twitter feed, where uh, I have seen the timeline of that uh, brand, and virtually everything, every tweet of theirs uh, is a template which says that uh, Mr. So and So, we will come back to you about your query in, in, in a day's time. You know, every tweet of theirs is addressing a customer uh, uh, service query and an angry one at that. Okay, but not offering a solution at all. It's a templated. you know uh we'll get back to you kind of thing now look at the this service it does to the advertising campaign you know they are they've been running a mustar murti campaign for the last 3 years right which is very fairly noticeable fairly you know uh, light uh, perhaps builds preference for the brand you know but all of it is down the drain through a stupid uh, twitter uh, presence you know you know which is not thought through at all so to go back to what i am saying don't treat it as a tick mark approach and be clear what what is the need for which you are using social media you know is it customer service is it to merely update uh, consumers about your product and your uh, services and your new launches uh, is it entertainment you know or is it some utility so if you are clear about that then everything falls into place yeah and uh, every platform has its advantage you know for example there are brands which uh, will send out a tweet and the same tweet will go on to facebook you know it's like treating everything the same everything the same way which is not the right thing to do 
you know, each each platform has its own strengths. You know, if you want to use YouTube, obviously, interesting videos, uh, you know, which which, is, which have some utility uh, come into play, which is which is what uh, most brands should be doing, which is that asking the question, how can I be of use to you? You know, most of the cases, the uh, social media activity of a brand, whether it's a startup or an established brand, is about how great I am. You know, uh, and very little of how we can make your life useful or how we can make life better for you at that, at that moment. So, do you think it is also because of the simple fact that they uh, they really do not have a very clear idea as to whom they are talking to? Is that uh, based on your experience? Is that a problem as well? One of the reasons could be. I think it's, it starts with uh, the product itself. You know, if you if your product is not great or good enough, you know, you don't want to garner much interest. Now, in this context, I would like to uh, mention Urban Ladder. You know, which I personally feel that they've got a fantastic uh, range of products, and we're also fortunate to be in a category which uh, which is high involvement. You know, if I am in in the market for doing up my house, you know, I would be greatly interested in uh, sofa or any other piece of furniture. And I would fuss over the colors, the material, the fabric, you know, stuff stuff like that. And if you look at their Facebook uh, feed, which I think is fantastic, virtually everything about uh, their presence on Facebook is about themselves. You know, it's about how great they are. Now, in the context of the category and in the context of how good the brand is for a viewer it is not a bad thing because you are interested in seeing what they are offering you know but if if it is a uh, i don't know maybe a uh, hand wash brand and uh, or, or hair oil brand or watch or whatever <coughs> if if you keep on saying that how great you are people are not going to believe you people, gonna, people won't have time to you know engage with you so you now um, it, it's a, it's of being it's of being used it's of being uh, some value to your customer. In the case of Urban Ladder, they are, they are of some value to the customer because they are giving a drool factor. They are giving a drool value, you know, uh, for a, of a potential customer to look at a furniture and say, wow, you know, I, this, could be, this could look in my, good in my house. So there's utility over there also. So whatever you do, whether it's in Twitter or Facebook or YouTube, figure out how can you be of use to your customer. So let's do a little bit of a brainstorming here. Uh, let's say, sure. for example, uh, today you are uh, you are responsible uh, for uh, their uh, Urban Ladders uh, Facebook page. So what would mm. you do differently? I mean, so, apart uh, from apart from whatever they are doing, which is working, what else mm. uh, do you think they can do? See, they've been doing a couple of things, uh, you know, for the, for the past few years, which is to um, showcase customer stories. Mm -hmm. You know. Where it was limited to if, if I if I had shared a picture of you know my living room with a nice urban or a sofa or a, or, a, or, a, or a piece of furniture and if I put it on, Insta, on Instagram, they showcased it. You know, now uh, they they have a main uh, you know a television campaign saying how one thing leads to the other and you know you know great stories begin you know with with the piece of furniture. So probably they could amplify that. You know how I as a as an individual. You know, um, built a story you know, in my home, starting with just one piece of furniture. You know, I bought a sofa, and then I said, "Okay, now 
a coffee table will will look good going with this. And in that living space, I would probably I don't know add a painting and I would add a magazine rack and you know stuff like that. So, so actually, if I could bring those customer stories to life, you know, on Facebook, that would probably be something that I would be interested in uh, really. So you think uh, uh, if 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 they were to uh, have uh, uh, stories where people actually talk about stories, not necessarily about urban ladder furniture, but about how furniture actually impacts uh, their life or has an impact. Possibly. So you think that yeah, works? Possibly. Yeah, possibly. You know, and they are in a position uh, where they can afford the leadership stance. You know, some brands will worry saying that if we don't talk about my brand, will will my competitor get the benefit? You know. But uh, in urban ladder's case, that is that is not a worry at all. You know, because they are they are, they have they have a benchmark and uh, they can they can position themselves that way. Yeah. So so uh, just to uh, expand on what you just said. So does this actually create leadership for the brand when they talk about uh, the category and not uh, necessarily about themselves? So that does that actually create leadership position for a brand? Yes. Uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, let's take. Uh, you know a, a food i mentioned fresh menu mm-hmm. you know uh, they they could talk about their food you know what i mean mm-hmm. you know they could they could talk about uh, how to uh, present uh, food or how plating makes a uh, makes a difference i don't know you know so it, it it doesn't necessarily have to be about you you always it could be about something it must be about uh, something that benefits your customer so in that in that uh, in those cases i think Taking a leadership stance and talking beyond a brand can actually be helpful for a brand. Okay, that's interesting. So, um, um, as an entrepreneur, uh, 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 allocating resources for various uh, uh, spends, uh, what would you think are probably two or three things that they should they should keep in mind when when they are doing this allocation of their budgets? Uh, if I understand correctly, whatever you just said, number one is what is your business strategy? You need to be very absolutely clear about what your business strategy is and how that actually uh, will determine. Yeah. So apart from that, are there any tactical tips that uh, you have uh, for uh, for entrepreneurs to maximize the bank that they get for the buck? Well, um, uh, I would firstly firstly start off with uh, asking myself what I can achieve, what can I achieve without spending any money? Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, thankfully, even though today's marketing world is a lot more cluttered than what it was uh, five or ten years ago. The opportunities to uh, tell a story uh, through freely available platforms is that much more today. So I would the first question I would ask is how can I use the free tools that are available to my advantage? So these are so the those, Facebooks of the world, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you know, Instagram, uh, Periscope, and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Okay. Yes, there, 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 there is a cost to it. I mean, it's not always free yeah, because you got to invest time, you got to invest, you got to have a strategy in place. Now all that is there, you know, but you know. Without without actually putting down huge marketing dollars, how can I best use free tools? What the first question that I would ask, you know, uh, for example, blogs. You know, when when uh, uh, we used to write blog posts, which I we thought were relevant for the entire industry. You know, for example, uh, six tips to uh, determine whether your brand needs a mobile app or not. Mm. So those are uh, articles or opinion pieces that would be of relevance to a Marketer, entrepreneur, anybody who's in business, you know, who's thinking of creating a mobile app. So stuff like that, you know, can be used very effectively. And I have found uh, LinkedIn to be a, a fantastic tool for 
sharing your opinions, sharing your uh, thoughts, and uh, you know, attracting uh, traction over there. So, I would say explore all opportunities that are free. Uh, use the platform to your advantage. Twitter, for example, even if it is a merely used as a as a platform for just sharing useful links, nothing more. You know, you will find traction there because people are hungry for information. Yeah, so that is relevant to the industry. So it could be, you know, flower arrangement. It could be recipes. It could be anything. You know, if you can share relevant links, you know, as basic as that on Twitter, that is a strategy. You know, that you're you're, you're present or actively present over there. Similarly, LinkedIn. You know, writing opinion pieces, having your own blog. Uh, if 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 your category is uh, relevant for audiovisual content, you know, maybe YouTube. So I would say explore all that free and minimal costs. Then worry about spending your marketing dollar in in the big bang uh, platforms. Okay, super. So um, um, that brings me to probably uh, the penultimate question for for the day, uh, which is uh, uh, what according to you is something so obvious but uh, people miss. The show is called pushing beyond the obvious, right? So, so what is it? What is it? One or two things that is so obvious to you, uh, mm-hmm. but people miss. Okay. Uh, first thing that I can think of is that uh, a lot of people believe that uh, if you build, they will come. Which is not true at all. Okay, there is so much clutter out there and so much distraction out there. Frankly, I don't think anybody has got the time to worry about what your offering is, unless what your offering is a cure for cancer. Okay. So it, it yours may be the you know the, the the most efficient way of you know ordering medicine online or the mobile app. Your most efficient way of You know, ordering a cab, whatever it is, you know, or buying jewelry, you know, people are just not out there waiting for your business to, uh, you know, lob up and uh, for your message to come through, you know. So even if you build a great product, uh, if you build, they will come. Is not true. Uh, we've got to make an effort to reach out to our relevant audience, uh, your opinion makers, the guys who matter, uh, in the platform that is that is that they're likely to be found. So. The one one thing that uh, that comes to my mind is belief that if you build, they will come is not true at all. Okay, so uh, that probably brings us to the last question. So, what's on your uh, uh, reading shelf on your bookshelf? Ah, uh, uh, right now I'm reading one plus one equal to three by Dave Trott. Uh, highly recommended book. Uh, it is not about startups or uh, you know any 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 great uh, business gyan. Uh, it is about uh, How creativity or how looking at things differently um, can help businesses and brands. And Dave Short has got a very unique way of writing. Uh, simple stuff, uh, stories, uh, and there are uh, very well told, and always end with a look back into how it impacts creativity. So I would highly recommend that book. Very interesting. So thanks a lot, Lakshmi, for uh, spending this time with us. Thanks, Ish. Uh, it Ish. was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pushing Beyond the Obvious. If you like the show and would like to support, please head over to iTunes or wherever you are listening to this show and rate us and write a review. Till next time, have fun.